Good morning. I'd like to welcome everyone to worship this morning. We're glad that you're here worshiping with us, and we'd love to have a record of your attendance, whether you are a longtime member, a first-time visitor, or someone that worships here on a regular basis. We ask that you grab that pew pad at the end of the aisle and pass that to the neighbors who are seated with you. I have a few things to share with you for announcements this morning. Something that didn't make it into the bulletin is that tomorrow night at uh, Pastor Polk's church, there's going to be a Martin Luther King Day uh, celebration. That's at 6 o'clock tomorrow evening. Uh, if you'd like to to know more about that, you can look at the SAMA webpage on Facebook, or you can uh, talk to me after worship today as well. Uh, as a reminder, because of Martin Luther King Day, uh, the office is closed tomorrow. Uh, so please, if you have any business that needs to get taken care of, just know that that won't happen until Tuesday. Also, today will be the first reading of an announcement for our annual meeting. The session of First Presbyterian Church at St. Albans has called an annual congregational meeting for Sunday, January 29th, 2023, following the 10 a.m. worship. The purpose of the meeting is to vote on the nominees for the Office of Elder, review the 2023 budget, which is approved by the session, approve the 2023 pastor's terms of call, and review the 2022 annual report. That also should say that we're going to elect uh, a trustee as well. I'll make sure that that's in there for next week. But this will serve as the first reading for that. Next week will be the second. Uh, so hopefully you'll make plans to be here for that and then stay after the meeting uh, for our brunch. And so if you want to talk to anybody about maybe something that you can bring for our brunch, talk to Laurie about that. She's helping organize our fifth Sunday brunch. Uh, that's going to be the end of this month. I'd like to point out that on Wednesday night we have Bible study for all age groups. Uh, the adult age group is going to be looking at different uh, happenings in the Old Testament from the word Messiah or anointed one. The youth are going to be looking at a Bible study called Faith Questions and the children are continuing their study with the curriculum called Follow Me. So we hope that you'll make an effort to be here for that. Again, we're thrilled that you're here worshiping with us. Let's now prepare our hearts to worship the living God. How great thou art. 
sings, my soul, my Savior God to I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the desolate pit out of the merry block and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Happy are those who make the Lord their trust, who do not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after false gods. Come, let us worship the triune God. Please stand and let's prepare to sing hymn number 353, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less.
Jesus said, The peace I bring is a gift the world cannot give. Today and always, may this gift of peace from our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And also with you. Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. Heavenly God, we trust, know, and believe that you sent Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We humbly ask you to continually take away our sins as we attempt to alter our lives to glorify your dear name. Allow us to envision once again the arrival of the Lamb of God in our own lives as we examine forgiving others who have sinned against us. All this we name the name of Jesus, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Friends, hear this assurance of pardon that comes to us from the Old Testament. See, I have separated your sins as far as the east is from the west. Though your sins may be as scarlet, I have washed them white as snow. The good news in Christ's coming is that he has separated us from our sin, that our old life is gone and a new life remain. So know that you have been forgiven and be at peace and pray also for me a sinner. Amen. This morning's Old Testament lesson comes from Isaiah 49, uh, verses 1 through 7. Listen to me, O coastlands. Pay attention, you people from far away. The Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. And he said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Yet surely my cause is with the Lord and my reward with my God. And now the Lord says, who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God has become my strength, he says. It is too light of a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the saviors of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth, Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nations, the slaves of rulers. Kings shall be and stand up princes, and they shall pro prostrate themselves because of the Lord, who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, 
who has chosen you. This is the word of our Lord. May be seated, and at this time I invite the children forward for a children's sermon. Okay, I have a serious question for you all. How many of you are allowed to point at other people? Are you allowed to point? Your parents let you point at people? Yeah? No? No? No. Okay, look. See that guy right there? He's on the news. Point at the guy that's on the news. Point at him. Look at him. Point. Everybody point. See him? All right, let's see. Can we point? See those ladies back there? Those ladies back there always work on the computer. Point at them. Point. Come on, Mona. You got a point. Nope, you're going to go to this. Okay. Okay. Um, see that guy right there? Turn around and look at him. He just read the Bible. Point at him. He's a Bible reader. Point at him. Ha <laughs> ha, Bible reader. Okay. So why, why are we not allowed to point? What's rude about it? Point at me. Hey, look, that guy's wearing a dress. He's got a big black dress on. Point at him, right? Is that weird that I'm wearing a dress or weird that I say to point at me? Point at me, okay. Why, why is it rude to point? It could be laughing at somebody, okay, all right, we could be making fun of somebody. Did, did we make fun of Mark just now when we said he's on the news? No, but it took him by surprise, didn't it? And if he didn't hear us point at him, he may have said, he may have thought, why are those children pointing at me, right? Or if, if Adam didn't know that I was pointing and saying, hey, look, he just read it from the Bible, he's a Bible reader, like he could be offended by that, right? Well, here's the weird thing. Today's story in the Bible is about a guy who is a pointer. His name is John the Baptist. But today's story is about him pointing and saying, look, there is the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. And that's his whole job. His job is to point Israel to point uh, Israel towards Jesus. That's his whole job. In fact, he was, they, they actually ended up killing him for it. Did you know that? Yeah, the king was really mean, and, and they, because he was pointing so many people towards Jesus, instead of pointing them towards worshiping the king, the king got really upset, and, and, and it ended his life. So we're going to read a story about being a pointer, and the next time that you point at somebody, say, hey, I'm just being like John the Baptist, Mom. It's okay. I learned how to do this in church today from our pastor. So it's okay to point. Okay? And then they're going to have a set up a meeting with me, and we'll talk about pointing later. Okay? Appropriate pointing. All right? But we're going to pray, and we're going to thank God for John the Baptist and for our pointer fingers. Okay? Let's pray.
Dear God, you rock, and we love you. And we're so glad that you sent John the Baptist to point towards Jesus. We thank you for all the people in our lives who have pointed us towards Jesus. Please help us point other people to Jesus too. We love you. Amen. Okay, go sit down. sadness from wherever you've been come broken hearted let rescue begin come find your mercy oh sinner come kneel earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal oh earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal Lay down your burdens, lay down your shame. All who are broken, lift up your face. Oh, wanderer, come home. You're not too. So lay down your hurt and lay down your heart, come as you are. There's hope for the hopeless and all those who've strayed, come sit at the table Come taste the grace, there's rest for the weary, rest that endures, cause earth has no sorrow that heaven can't cure. So lay down your burdens, lay down your shame, all who are broken. Can lift up your face, oh wanderer, come home, you're not too far. So lay down your hurt and lay down your heart, come as you are. Come as you are, fall in his arms, come as you are. There's joy for the morning, oh sinner be still, earth has no sorrow 
that heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. So lay down your burdens, lay down your shame. All who are broken, lift up your face. Oh, wanderer, come home. You're not too far. So lay down your hurt and lay down your heart. Come as you are. Come as you are, come as you are, come as you going to let you guess what scripture I'm reading because we clearly didn't put it in the bulletin, right? It's uh, John chapter 1, we'll be reading verses 29 through 42. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. On the next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, there is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and see. They came and saw that where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. And one of the two heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are now to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. May the Lord add blessing and understanding to the reading and hearing of his holy word. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, we do thank you for your story. We thank you for the way that your spirit interacts with us in the form of story. 
And God, we just ask that you would bless this time we spend together meditating and pondering your story this day. We say all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. I think many of you probably know this or maybe have heard it, but the first 10 years of my ministry life was spent in youth ministry. In fact, I did that uh, here in West Virginia at Jamie's Home Church in Milton. Uh, And then we moved to Philadelphia where I did that for an additional five years. And it was really kind of neat. Kids are pretty much the same no matter where you go. There are some intricacies that are different from place to place, region to region. But one of my favorite things to do in both of those places was to take kids on uh, retreats during the year and to also take them on different kind of summer camps during the summer. Now, I'm probably going to go out on a limb here, uh, but I'm, I'm assuming that many of you are aware of, of what snipe hunting is. Are you aware of what snipe hunting is? So you may be, uh, but uh, suburban youth, specifically in Philadelphia, but also sometimes in, in West Virginia as well, have no idea what snipe hunting is. And so uh, I, as their beloved youth leader, would introduce them to such uh, a great trip. Um, it's a very tedious and skillful art, as you know, uh, to be a hunter of, of the elusive snipe. And you may not know this, you may not know this, but the term in the military for someone who is a sniper Do you know how they got that? Because they have been able to find and shoot the elusive snipe. And so that's how they get the title sniper. And if you do not believe me, you can Google that after church and you will find that I am not lying about that. That is absolutely 100% true. So you take all these kids up on top of a hill and you tell them that story, right? And then you tell them that there's a very unique way to catch these one-eyed, almost blind birds. And that's to have a plastic bag, and you fit your finger in the plastic bag, and you flip it, right? You flip it consistently, and then you call out, hee-hee, hee-hee, as you're flipping this plastic bag. And what happens is the snipe, who are blind but have amazing hearing, will run towards that sound. They'll jump in the bag. You have to tie it up really quickly. And then what we do, you know, we're pacifists, so we don't kill them. We ban them, and then we let them go back out into the wilderness for the next person to catch the snipe. And I did that on almost every summer trip that I took them on. And would you believe it that none of our children ever caught a snipe? But I got to sit by the campfire for about an hour by myself, <laughs> listening to a bunch of students go, hee, hee, flipping a plastic bag at the bottom of a hill. You know, most people will talk about how They trusted their youth leader, and their youth leader really pointed them towards Jesus. I pointed our children towards snipe hunting, and because they trusted me, they did it. Uh, So that's that's maybe we'll go on to maybe how I was not always the greatest youth leader, but that's that's what I like to do. Our text today has once again uh, has us examining John the Baptist. Are you tired of hearing about John the Baptist yet? We've we've heard about him quite a bit. We've heard about him in November. We heard about him in Advent. We heard about him uh, last week with the baptism. Uh, And now we're hearing about John the Baptist again. And it's one of those strange things, If depending on which gospel story you read, you really get a different aspect of what John's relationship was like with Jesus. 
Um, the gospel lection for today has us uh, kind of come to this. If this is the only version of the gospel that we were to read, we don't ever find out that Jesus was baptized because John's gospel doesn't say that. It simply says that John the baptizer was baptizing with water and that he was to find out uh, who sent, who uh, God sent to be the person who would baptize with the Holy Spirit. But he also was able to somehow figure out that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the anointed. He is the one that will come and take away the sin of the world. I think he goes in more depth than Matthew does um, but it's this weird, it's this weird, strange event. Um, they ask him, who, who are you? And I love his response. Now he says, I'm not the Messiah. This takes place in the, the reading before our text today. It's, it's one of those strange things that the lectionary does is it kind of leaves out a really important section of the text. If you want to go back and read today from like verses 18 up through our reading today, um, People were going out, Pharisees and Sadducees were going out to meet John the Baptist, similarly to what Mark or to what Matthew's gospel said, but differently in that um, he almost has this childlike response. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not, that's not, that's not who I am. I'm the one that will point to the Messiah. I know for whom you're looking, he says to them, I am not him. He is close. I can't even hold a candle to him. The first 18 verses of John's gospel talks in great detail about the importance of the person who's coming, who is the light of the world, who takes away the darkness, but also sheds light on the fact that John the Baptist will point toward this Messiah character. John is showing the way to Jesus, which brings us up to our text today. Jesus is called the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Now, that's probably one of the most theologically laden statements in all of Scripture. We could probably unpack what those words mean for the next couple weeks during sermons. Suffice it to say, um, this, is, this is such a radical notion that, that John says it twice. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So for John, Jesus is and has always been that which needs to be sacrificed in order for there to be salvation. So we really have to kind of like back up into the Old Testament and think through this notion of, of what it means to be a sacrificial lamb, to be the innocent without blemish, to be able to be inspected, to be able to be put forth as a, a notable offering. Now this is also one of those weird things that if you're reading this in the first century, you're immediately going to have opinions about this statement in and of itself. <clears throat> so if you were a Jewish person, let's say you lived in Galilee, and you needed to come make uh, an atonement sacrifice, and you were to bring a lamb uh, to atone for your sins. Chances are, once you got to Israel, or once you got to Jerusalem, the powers that be would look at your offering and say, ah, see, there's a little, this, this piece of the lamb's fur or wool is a little curlier than it's supposed to be, and so it's not going to count as your sacrifice. So what you're going to need to do is we have a guy 
you go to this guy, he sells blemish-free lambs. And so if you go, now you've raised this lamb. You have purposely not eaten this lamb because this is the best you have. And you're going to bring this forth to the temple for sacrifice. And then somebody has the audacity to tell you it's not worthy. Well, interestingly, what John says, he points at a dude walking down the street and says that is the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the world. And so your mind's blown. Wait a minute. There's, we're going to sacrifice a man for the world? Now, it doesn't sound that radical to us when we don't think it like a first century hero would think this way. Plus, we're also you know, the, the beneficiaries of 2,000 years of theology that's kind of already ingrained this into us. But this notion is a very radical statement. It's a very radical statement. And, and it's starting at, this is the beginning of the Gospel of John. And it has somebody say, that guy's going to get sacrificed. He is the Lamb of God. How do we know he's the Lamb of God? Because I saw the Spirit of God descend on him like a dove, and the one who called me to be a baptizer said, you're going to see the Spirit of God descend on somebody like a dove, and that's the one who will be baptizing with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so John's job is to say, aha, Eureka, I found it. That's him. And then point other people towards him. That's shockingly odd to go ahead and almost tell the end of the story at the beginning of the book, right? We kind of have the punchline pre-written for us. This is the Lamb of God who takes away, and I said it wrong just now, I said sins of the world, but the Greek there is very clear. It's sin, singular, for the world, possessive. The way the Greek is written, we don't have multiple sins, we have sin. Sin is equal in John's mind. Sin is equal in John the baptizer's mind. Anything you do is against God. Anything that is harmful to a neighbor is against God. Anything that you do to harm in any way, shape, or form, the cosmos is the same sin against God. And so this Lamb of God is going to be the one that takes away all that sin, singular, for the world, possessive. The removal of sin. He is a paschal lamb. He takes away the sin. His blood will be shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. And after this theologically important statement, we see how the fourth evangelist kind of strays away from the synoptic gospel. We don't see this baptism ever take place. We do know that Jesus has followers that were once followers of John the Baptist. We're introduced to this disciple named Andrew. Maybe you've heard of Andrew before, maybe not. I mean, he's not some of the most named people in the Bible, but he's there and he gets the, he's maybe standing closest to John. And, and John says, look, there's the Lamb of God. And so he leaves John to follow Jesus. And I think this is where it gets weird. 
So Jesus notices that there are people following him, right? And he says, what is it that you're looking for? And they respond with the most wacky response, I think, right? Rabbi, where are you staying? Now, it's wacky, I think, because I'm a 21st century person. I'm not Greek. I don't understand the concept of of what this means. Where are you staying basically means who is your family, where are you from? And so they want to see where Jesus originated. And so Jesus says to them, come and see. This is my home. I will show you where my home is. Jesus then is always at home with God the Father and God the Spirit. It's a unique, this is where John gets a little bit up in the clouds, right? A little bit mystical. Some people accuse, accuse John of being a Gnostic gospel. He's not really a Gnostic gospel, but there is like a secret message from time to time. You have to really pay attention to what's going on in this gospel. And he says, I'm going to take you, I'm going to show you this home. John's going to unpack this a little bit later as Jesus says uh, to his disciples. I'm going, to, when he says, I'm getting ready to leave, I'm going to a place that, that you know how to get there. I'm going to my father's house, which has many what? Many rooms, right? And so this weird thing that's happening is from the beginning, from the beginning, Andrew and other disciples want to know where it is that Jesus is from. And when you get to John 14, he finally says to them, I'm going to the father who has many rooms for you. I've, I've kind of revealed, you know the way to the place where I'm going. And, and they say to him, how do we know? How do we, how do we know how to get to home? Well, you have to come to the Father through me, right? So John has done this amazing writing. It's extrapolated over 14 or 15 chapters. But really, ch- chapter 1 is going to be directly tied to Jesus saying on his way out, his, his great priestly prayer, which it's known, uh, it's it's going to harken back to this moment. So pay attention, right, for the next couple of weeks when we get to, to Lent, especially in Holy Week, we start reading some of those texts, you're going to hear this same sense of knowing where Jesus is from and knowing where his home is. When they spend the evening with Jesus, Andrew says, I can't just sit on this. I have new knowledge. And so what does Andrew do? He goes and gets his brother somebody that we do know. He goes to get Simon, and he brings Simon in, and Jesus says, Simon, from now on, you'll be known as Saphos, Peter, the rock. Now, other gospel writers will go on to say, and upon you I will build my church. John kind of skips that moment right here, but this is a call where Jesus is literally starting to alter the people that are coming to find him. Something is changing deep within them. The Synoptic Gospels, Jesus does all of the calling, but here John has done the pointing. So as you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus calls these people towards him, but here John's importance is really pushing others toward Jesus. The the first calling of the disciples is about change. He changes Andrew and the other disciple from being a student of John the baptizer to now a student of Jesus, the Lamb of God. He changes Simon from being just plain Simon to the rock. He changes us, or can change us, 
the same way that he changed them. He invites us for us to change as well. He invites us, if we're willing, to be changed. To go back to where I was with the students at the beginning, I said that I left them alone for an hour. I really didn't, because what good youth leader leaves a bunch of you know, 30 high school students unattended for an hour is an idiot. But <clears throat> it is fun to like sit back and listen to what they would do on their own. But there were times where we were out so far, we were out in the wilderness so far that you really couldn't see. And I wouldn't let them take their flashlights down because the flashlight ruins the fun of snipe hunting, right? Because that just makes it more amusing to me. But I would, I would eventually walk down where they were and I would say, okay, it's time for the hunt to be over. And, and I'd say, can you, can you find me? No, Mark, we can't see you. And you know what I would instinctively say? Just listen to my voice. If you can hear my voice, come to me. And they would. Because they trusted me, even though I just lied to them about sniping. <laughs> they trusted me. And there's something about that that still hits me to this day. If you, if you have the ability to influence the minds of other people, do so responsibly. And the, the beauty of being able to be with those kids, and, and they would figure it out, right? They, they, they knew eventually that there was something funny going on here, but, but the trust that they had was that they would eventually come back to the source of their safety. How many of us, I want to ask for a show of hands, have ever walked away from the safety of, of the Lamb of God? Have said, I need to take a break from God, whether it be His bride, the church, or I just need to step away and, and not be so inundated with God all the time. But God's always there to say, listen to my voice and walk to me. Because God's purpose was to sacrifice God's self for the sin of the world. It's interesting to be a minister, to have to stand up here and teach. It's, it's draining often uh, because I, I'm not that good of a person. <laughs> to stand up here and to say, this is what you all should do, right? Most of my sermons are written towards me, like what I need to do, how I need to change, how I need to alter. But the beautiful thing is, Jesus looks at all of us and says, you are salvageable. You, no matter what, you are worthy to be saved. And our responsibility, once we know that, is to do what? To point at Jesus. At everyone we know, at every moment we can, our life should be one that points at Jesus. We may make silly sounds, we may flip silly bags, but, but what we're doing, we're doing it together so that we're making the name of the band the joyful noise that leads people to an understanding of how much God loves them. We don't always discern God's call the same way. Not all of humanity 
discerns God's call that way. But this is an introduction to the Lamb of God. Let us be willing to walk towards His voice, to have enough trust and faith to listen to that voice that's calling us to be the people He's calling us to be. Let's walk towards the Lamb of God, the Son of the living God, who lives with the Father, is powered by the Holy Spirit, and does this for all of us on our behalf. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Let us stand and declare that which we believe in the recitation of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, <coughs> who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. It's now time for us to continue our worship by the giving of our tithes and offerings. Let us pray. 
Holy and gracious God, we do thank you for the many gifts and blessings that you've given to us in this life. Lord, as we return a portion of these gifts to you now, we ask for your wisdom, for your courage to use these gifts in a manner in which you see fitting. All this we say in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I have a few things to update you on. Um, hopefully you heard the great news. Uh, Kurt King's sister uh, got the pathology report back Monday. Something like that, right? Uh, and th- does not have cancer, which is amazing. So the surgery is a huge success. She does still have a little bit of double vision, but hopefully that will come back uh, in time. Uh, Kinsey McComas had her surgery this past week and is doing fairly well. She's had a few complications post-surgical uh, procedures, and so they, they're trying to figure some things out. I think this coming Wednesday will be a day where there's going to be another meeting uh, to kind of discern. She, she does have some heart failure, uh, according to Becca, uh, but she's doing well. They've got her sitting up in a chair, and she's uh, smiling, and she's listening to her music, and she's finally getting to eat, which is a, is a good thing as well. So keep and continue praying for Kenzie. I talked to Abby this morning. Abby's dad has been, uh, he's 94 years old. He's been diagnosed with sepsis. He had uh, blood infections beginning of the week. It's become sepsis. And so she uh, asks for our continued prayers uh, for healing for him as well. And uh, while they're caring for him at the hospital, they have to leave her mom home alone, which is not the greatest situation. So uh, please pray for that situation as well. I'm certain that there are other concerns that rest among you, um, so let's lift all of those thoughts and concerns to Jesus as we bring all of our petitions to our Father in heaven. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this day that you have granted us. We thank you, Lord, for our ability to come together and to worship you. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and for your love. God, as we offer you our praise and thanksgiving this day, we know that it pales in comparison to the grace and love that you've extended to us. We thank you, Lord, that you receive it as an offering nonetheless. We're thankful, Lord, that we live in a country where we have the freedom to gather for worship. We thank you, Lord, for the men and women whom we call veteran who have historically fought to keep us free, who afford us this opportunity. We pray, Lord, for those who are in the military now that they would be able to come home soon. We're thankful, Lord, for their yes to serve our country, but we pray for a day, Lord, where there is no longer a need for a standing army or navy, a day where we can beat our swords into plowshares. We pray, God, for that day to come soon, for your peace to reign on your cosmos. Lord, we also come to you thankful for our president and our leaders of our nation, we pray, God, for the leaders of our nation, that they would be able to hear your still small voice calling for them to act on our behalf. We pray, God, for other countries, the Lord, who don't have the same freedoms that we have. We also pray, Lord, for countries who know only war. We pray, God, for the situation in Ukraine. We pray for a day of peace to come about. We pray, Lord, for hostilities to cease. We pray, Lord, for other countries to cease their assistance of this situation. We also pray, God, for the wars that take place that are not publicized on television. We pray, Lord, for the wars in villages and remote places of Africa and Asia. 
We pray, Lord, for those who live for fear of their life in any country, Lord. We pray for peace to be the order of the day. God, we're mindful also of those whom have answered the call to the ministry of healing. We pray, Lord, for them to continue to use their skills and abilities to heal the human body. We trust and know and believe, Lord, that you are the great physician. We pray for healing for all of our family, all of our friends, our loved ones, our neighbors. We also pray, Lord, your will be done. We're mindful, God, of those who will literally pray today for their daily bread. We ask that you would hear that prayer, Lord, and meet their need. But burden our hearts, Lord. Open our eyes that we may see those in need. And burden us, Lord, to do something about it as well. God, because we are a community of faith, we pray for those who are seated to our left and to our right, in front of us and behind us. Pray for those at home, Lord, unable to come to worship. In the stillness of this moment, Lord, we pray for ourselves. Holy God, we are amazed by your grace and the glory of your ways. We do thank you for sending your Son to earth, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We're thankful that he showed us how to live and he taught us also to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please stand as you are able for our final hymn, hymn number 39, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
So on my bucket list um, is an altarpiece in Alsace, France. Uh, it was painted in 1515 by Matthias Grunwald. It is a massive, massive altarpiece. It is like eight by 10 feet wide. Uh, it has uh, these little wings that you can kind of open up uh, for Holy Week, uh, and that adds uh, an additional seven feet on each side. It is a massive, massive painting. Uh, and you've probably seen it. Uh, when I describe it to you, you, you might recognize it, but it's, uh, it's a crucifixion scene. And at the bottom of the cross is John the Baptist and a lamb, and John is simply pointing. He's pointing at the cross. Uh, now, that's anachronistic, right? We know that John was dead long before Jesus was crucified. But it's uh, the artist's way of saying this is what John's job was. John's job was to point to the cross. This is literally what John's gospel is about. As a pastor, uh, my job each Sunday is to point to Jesus so that you know the direction to look and then as we all leave on Sundays our job for the rest of the week is to point to Jesus as well. I don't know how many of you stayed up late last night to watch uh, the AFC uh, game that was on. I mean it was a great game at the end. Uh, Most of us probably turned it off before halftime because uh, the Jaguars were getting ready to lose. The Jaguars won, spoiler alert, last night on a last-second kick. They came back to beat the Chargers, and the kicker for the team, right before he kicked, pulled his necklace out from underneath his jersey, and it wasn't just a necklace, it was a crucifix. He held the cross, he made the kick, and after he kicked it, he ran around the field holding his cross and pointing to it. And that was captured on television. That's our job, folks. No matter what it is that we do, no matter what it is that we do, our responsibility in life is to point to Jesus because Jesus is the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. So no matter what else you have to do this week, no matter what's on your list, point at Jesus. Now receive the blessing of the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. May He be with us all until we meet again either here or His glorious kingdom come. Amen and amen. Happy Sunday. Burden gladly bearing, he bled.
take away my sin then sings my soul my savior god to my soul my savior god to thee how great thou art how great thou art when christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home what joy shall fill my heart then i shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim my god how great thou sings my soul my savior god to